Good morning. Today is Sunday, the 20th day of November, 2016. I've watched a lot of films about World War II. The heroes in those films are almost always men. Today we have the story of a World War II hero, a woman, whose amazing and heroic actions made her one of the most decorated ladies of the war on the 113th episode of Sunday Morning Coffee with Jeff. Sunday, it's time for coffee, and I am your host and storyteller, Jeff Kelly. Thanks for uh, sharing a cup of coffee with me today. Always a pleasure. Now, are you ready to rock and roll? Well, then what the heck are you doing here? Today's show is about Nancy Wake, a war hero. It has nothing to do with music. Get out of here. Hey, before I get started, I want to apologize for a mistake on last week's show. We are in the month of November, not October. The producers of Coffee with Jeff have yet to perfect a time machine, so uh, thanks, Regina, for pointing that out. Pointing out my mistakes is the only way I'll learn. Well, I still need a few more films for my upcoming show about 10 films that no one's ever heard of. If you didn't listen to the show last week, well, well, first, what's wrong with you? But then um, I explained that I'm going to do a show about 10 or so films that are the weirdest, strangest, little-known movies of all time. I've got a couple in my head, and I've had a couple of recommendations, and uh, but I'm looking for more. If you know one of those films that you are the only one who's ever seen, and it was so weird you couldn't believe it, let me know, right? I could use more. Just email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com, or use Facebook or Twitter or any of those places. You know, one of those people who offered me a suggestion was a Joe Williston. Joe, I hope I pronounced your last name right, but... Uh, Oh, Joe, and one of the things I noticed about your email address is that, well, one of my favorite cartoons was MTV's The Max, and I've even read some of the comic books. Any connection? Just curious. Anyway, Joe says that I'm big on debunking the paranormal. Does it come across that way? Because I don't think of myself as debunking anything. I just offer a more reasonable and realistic explanation of weird things. What I mean to say is that to debunk, I would have to prove these claims false, which I can't. I just like to point out that when there's an unidentified object in the sky, that it doesn't necessarily mean an alien invasion. And that when people say the phrase, I know what I saw, well, the fact is, you probably don't know what you saw. Anyway, that's a whole different subject. Oh, look, here's one, for instance. The Nature World News website has the headline, UFO spotted during supermoon? Yeah, there's a question mark after it. So there's this video taken of the supermoon the other night, and near the bottom of the moon, a couple of little black dots can be seen moving across the bottom. Now, I cannot say for sure that this wasn't an alien spaceship, And I don't have the ability to research and prove other explanations. All I can say is that we are living in a day and age where there are plenty of things flying around in the sky. 
planes, birds, drones, bugs, all types of things. And in space, we have satellites, spacecrafts, and even tons of space debris orbiting around the Earth. There are so many other explanations of what it could be, so why aliens? I think it's because people just love to believe in the idea of aliens. Anyway, how about the story of an amazing person and what she did to help the fight during World War II? This podcast is part of the SciCon Network. You can support this podcast and others like it by becoming a subscriber at patreon.com forward slash SciCon. That's C-S-I-C-O-N. A link can be found on the Coffee with Jeff website. Just a dollar or two is all it takes to keep these podcasts going. Thank you for your support. Caught on the front line of a war she didn't need to fight. I got a lot from Nancy Wake. She was a, she was the real deal. Swapping French luxury for the French resistance. Nancy Wake became the most wanted woman in Europe. If you don't do it, I will. Yes, there were deaths, yes, there were tears, but she was a flower that bloomed in wartime. And now, she can never go back home. You were born lucky, Nancy. Born to attract trouble. Same thing, isn't it? In the 1987 documentary about her life and her involvement with the Nazi resistance in France during World War II, Nancy Wake said, I never had time to worry, and I must admit, and some people don't believe me, I was never afraid. And sometimes I think that people probably think I'm mad or that I'm telling lies, but I can honestly say that I was never afraid. I was too busy to be afraid, and my hatred for the Nazis was very, very deep, very deep indeed. She was known to the Nazis as the White Mouse, and she was on top of the Gestapo's most wanted list. Nancy Grace Augusta Wake was born in Wellington, New Zealand on August 30, 1912, and was the youngest of six children. She grew up in North Sydney in Australia. When she was only a few years old, Nancy's father took off and headed back to New Zealand, leaving her mother to raise all six children by herself. Nancy was a fiercely independent woman who always dreamed of seeing the world. So about the time she was 20 years old, she left home to fulfill three childhood wishes, to see New York, London, and Paris. She sailed to New York and fell in love with the city, and then she went on to London. At first she didn't care for London all that much, but after a short time she really grew to like it. But then she took a long weekend to visit Paris, and she fell in love with it. It was an exciting place for her to be in. She called it a city for women, the way they dressed and never had to pay for a night out. She loved the Paris nightlife, going out, meeting men, being taken home, or being taken to someone else's home. For Nancy was a free spirit, a flirt who loved good-looking men, especially Frenchmen. She called herself a dizzy young thing. She supported herself in Paris as a freelance journalist, writing articles for the American press agency of the happy and peaceful Paris life before the war. She once described herself as a young woman, as someone who loved nothing more than a good drink and handsome men, especially Frenchmen. 
Of course, these things around Paris changed quickly as Adolf Hitler and the Nazi party quickly rose to power. Nancy visited both Vienna and Berlin as part of her writing assignments and quickly saw what was going on. She saw what Hitler's brown shirts were doing to minorities and religious people. She saw roaming gangs of Nazis randomly beating Jewish men and women in the streets. Nancy was so shocked by what she saw, she thought that if there was anything she could do about it, she would do it. It's a dreadful thing to see people being persecuted, she said, especially for an Australian girl. We never had anything like that in Australia. I mean, I couldn't even persecute a cat, let alone a human being. In her 1985 autobiography, The White Mouse, Nancy said she underwent a kind of personal metamorphosis during the war, from the fun-loving girl of her youth to the resistance fighter she became. By this time, Nancy had met and married Andre Fioca, a handsome and charming wealthy industrialist. Soon after their marriage, the Germans crossed the Polish border and World War II began. Within nine months, Paris was under control of the Nazis, and it became a sad place, and it broke Nancy's heart to see the German flag on the famous Arc de Triomphe. Captain Ian Garrow, a German army officer with the Highland Light Infantry, began to organize the escape to Britain of Allied internees, POWs, and other people stranded in France. Eventually, Nancy Wake joined the cause, and because of her position in France, being the wife of a wealthy industrialist, she was allowed more freedom to move around than most people at the time. She used her privileged society position to work with the French resistance movement to help hundreds of escaped prisoners of war, stranded Allied troops, political refugees, and downed Allied flyers to seek safe passage out of France through Poland. And it wasn't easy as you might think. Between France and Spain are the Pyrenees Mountains. To escape to Spain, crossing the Pyrenees was necessary. The lower areas were heavily patrolled by the Germans, which made it necessary to hike high up in the cold and the snow to avoid the enemy. Sometimes Nancy and the men she was leading to safety could look down and see the Germans with their attack dogs. It was a tough journey in which they would walk for a couple of hours, then stop to take a short 15-minute break. At this time, they would take their cold and wet socks off and put on clean, dry ones. And after 10 or 15 minutes, they would change back into their wet socks and continue. This process was essential to prevent frostbite. One journey could take up to 50 hours. For two and a half years, she helped hundreds, if not thousands, to escape. And this didn't go unnoticed by the German authorities, who soon became aware that there was a woman helping the resistance. A hunt was on to find this mysterious enemy. They suspected Wake, but didn't have any proof. Her life was constantly in danger, with her phone lines being tapped and her mail being intercepted. Nancy was clever enough never to be caught, and because of her ability to avoid detection, the Germans started referring to her by the code name The White Mouse. The White Mouse was on top of the Gestapo's most wanted list, with a 5 million franc bounty placed on her head. Over the years, she saw many of the others in the French resistance lose their lives by the hands of the Nazis, but never refused anything that was asked of her, and her responsibility within the organization quickly rose. All this time, she was required to appear to her friends and neighbors as just an ordinary person. She said she was never afraid because of her hatred for the Nazis. Her involvement with the resistance came to a quick end. 
Some say it was a betrayal among the resistance network that the Gestapo finally found out that Nancy was the white mouse. In a snap decision, it was decided that she had to leave and head for London. She said she was almost numb as she left her husband, friends, and neighbors. When she left her apartment, pretending to go out and do a bit of shopping, she yelled, be back, to her husband Andre and walked out the door. She never saw him again. Because of the rush, she said she never had the time to say the things she wanted to say and cried all the way out. But as she said, it was dreadful, but it had to be done. Nancy took the same escape route she had helped many take before over the Pyrenees Mountains. Once in England, she was hoping her husband, Andre, would soon follow. Unfortunately, he had been captured by the Nazis and was being interrogated about the White Mouse's whereabouts. Nancy decided that she wanted to return to France and began to train under Colonel Maurice Buckmaster to become a saboteur. She joined the Special Operations Executives, the SOE, a British World War II organization set up to conduct espionage, sabotage, and reconnaissance in occupied Europe. Women were a big part of this organization, as it was thought that ladies would have more freedom in dangerous situations than men. Training was hard under the SOE, as they were required to run obstacle courses, learn how to use explosives, all types of weapons, survival skills, armed and unarmed combat, Morse code and radio operations, surveillance and night parachuting, and silent killing. She also had to learn all about the Germans, to recognize their planes and learn the ranks of the officers. In late April 1944, Nancy flew back to France on a military plane, which was fired upon from the ground by the German ground troops. She parachuted to the ground in central France, only to become entangled in a tree. When Captain André Tardivant found her, he said, I hope all the trees in France bear such beautiful fruit this year. To which she replied, Don't give me that French shit. Her duties included allocating arms and equipment that were parachuted in and mining the group's finances. Wake became instrumental in recruiting more members and making the Marquis groups into a formidable force, roughly 7,500 strong. She also led attacks on German installations and local Gestapo headquarters. A typical night began at 10 p.m. in an empty field. The planes would come by anywhere between 10.30 p.m. and 4 a.m. They would drop packages that contained thousands of guns and ammunition. The weapons that were received were quickly passed out to the resistance. Along with those guns, once a month, Nancy got her personal packages from England, such as face cream and other cosmetics. She and the others were taken very good care of by the SOE, and with every package, she felt joy in knowing that those back in England had not forgotten about her. All this meant that when D-Day finally happened, the French resistance was ready and heavily armed due to Nancy and others. She said of all the things she did during the war, probably the most important thing was the marathon bike ride she undertook. When the supply drops were threatened by the loss of radio codes during a German offensive, Waite took it upon herself to walk and cycle about 500 kilometers, that's over 300 miles, in 72 hours, riding day and night through German-occupied areas, crossing several German checkpoints in order to find an operator to Radio Britain and request new codes. 
At one point, she entered a town and saw a German soldier. She gave him a wink and said, in French, do you want to search me? The guard, who probably thought this young and pretty lady was harmless, let her go without a hassle. She later said of her tactics, I'd pass their German posts and wink and say, do you want to search me? God, what a flirtatious little bastard I was. Nancy got to her destination and arranged to have new code books to be dropped. Once she got back to her group, her legs were so raw, she couldn't sit down, she couldn't stand up, she couldn't eat or drink. All she could do was cry. As for love between her and the French men of the resistance, she said, although there were plenty of good-looking men involved, the area was filled with pine trees, which would make it very uncomfortable for sex. Besides that, if she, as she said, had accommodated one man, the word would have spread around and I would have had to accommodate the whole damn lot. According to Nancy, sexual relations between her and the Frenchmen never happened. At one point, Wake discovered that her men were protecting a girl who was a German spy. The men did not have the heart to kill her in cold blood, but when Wake insisted that she would perform the execution, they agreed. She said... I was never violent by nature, but war is war. She explained later that if she had not executed the spy and she got away, how many would have been killed when she brought back the German troops? I'm not a very nice person, she told the Australian newspaper in 2001, and it didn't put me off my breakfast. After all, she had an easy death. She didn't suffer. I knew her death was a lot better than the one I would have got. She said... I remember seeing some of the dreadful things the Germans did, and when people today say the Germans are not as guilty as they're made out to be, that is a lie. Some Germans were ruthless. She went on to tell some of the horrendous stories of the things she had seen, and they're stories that, well, are too disturbing to be told here. Nancy was right in the fight for the liberation of France. Resistance leader Andre Tardava later described her as the most feminine woman I know until the fighting starts. Then she's like five men. On August 25, 1944, the Allied forces liberated Paris, driving the Germans out. And it was only then that Nancy learned the fate of her husband Andre. He had been captured, tortured, and executed by the Germans after she left France in 1943, refusing to tell them where the white mouse had gone. I will go to my grave regretting that, Wake said, for Andre was the love of my life. Like many, once the war was over, Nancy had nothing and had a tough time adjusting to civilian life. She was awarded many times, including the George Medal, a United Kingdom award for those performing acts of bravery in or meriting recognition by the United Kingdom. She also got the United States Medal of Freedom and the Medaille de la Résistance from France. She is the most decorated servicewoman of the Second World War. After the war, she worked for the Intelligent Department at the British Air Ministry, attached to the embassies in Paris and Prague. She lived in Australia for a while, but then just after a 1951 election which gave her concern, she moved back to England. She worked as an intelligence officer in the department of the assistant chief of air staff at the Air Ministry in Whitehall. She married an RAF officer, John Forward, in December 1957 and resigned her post as the couple moved back to Australia in the early 1960s. 
She wrote her autobiography called The Autobiography of the Woman the Gestapo Called the White Mouse in 1985. Nancy and John were married 40 years until his death in 1997. In 2001, she moved back to London. She lived at the Stratford Hotel on the proceeds of the sales of her medals. There was no point in keeping them, she said on the sale of her medals. When I die, I'll probably go to hell and they'd melt anyway. My only condition is when I die, I want my ashes scattered over the hills where I fought alongside all those men. She lived at the hotel until her death on August 7, 2011. She was 98 years old. In a website called More or Less, Heroes and Killers of the 20th Century, they wrote this. The resistance to the Nazis' invasion of France was a movement of many heroes. In the French section of the SOE alone, 91 men and 13 women gave their lives in the battle against the fascists. Other SOE members, like Odette Sanson, endured torture and the prospect of death in Nazi concentration camps. French resistance leader Jean Moline died on July 8, 1943, after being captured and tortured by the Gestapo. He is now considered a French national hero. Many other French resistance fighters also perished. Nancy Wake is a symbol of their struggle and their sacrifice. I hate wars and violence, Nancy once said. But if they come, I don't see why we women should just wave them a proud goodbye and knit them balakavas. Nancy Wake's ashes were scattered in the French area where she worked with the resistance. A leader in the French resistance, Nancy Wake became the most decorated woman soldier of World War II. For years, she led the dangerous double life of a courier. Forced to flee Marseille just one step ahead of the Gestapo, she returned as a trained spy. A terrible flirt and an excellent drinker, Nancy Wake led a covert war with danger and death round every corner. A few years ago, uh, some charming men said it's not possible that she did what she did. It is possible because it's on record. I did what I did. I remember one person who wrote an article. I think he or she had a very thick head. That person wrote in a magazine that the war was incidental to my life. The war was not incidental to my life. I lost a husband who was executed. I lost friends who were tortured, who were killed by the Germans. I lost financially. I lost a lot. The war was not incidental to my life. Has anybody got a match? Thanks. Now I can light an old gold and listen to the sad sack. I love today's story. It's probably the most interesting story I've done in a while, at least from my point of view. It's the exact type of story I like to tell on Coffee with Jeff. But I had a couple problems recording this this episode. The first is, um, well, I think I'm coming down with a cold. I hope not, but I think I am. I think you can hear it in my voice in some sections. And I had to stop recording many times to clear my throat or to cough or to sneeze. It didn't start out that way. And as... I went on, it got worse and worse, and so so this recording took a little bit longer than usual to put together for all the um, bits I had to cut out. I assume you, you folks out there didn't want to hear my uh, voice get all phlegmy and icky and all that kind of stuff. And, and yes, I just used the term icky. The second problem I had was all the French names. I, I cannot pronounce French names 
even if I hear it over and over. There were sections where I had to pronounce the names of things, like that famous archway in France, and I had pronounced dot come up on my computer, and I'd stop recording, listen to it like six or seven times. Then I would do that paragraph, getting as close as I can, still knowing that uh, anybody from France, anybody who knows how to speak French is probably thoroughly offended by this this broadcast. So I'll say right now, anybody from France who listens to this show, I apologize. I'm just a stupid American who doesn't speak French. So uh, I did my best. Feel free to send me your corrections later. If you want to send me an audio recording of your corrections, I will be more than happy to play it next week. And when I wrote today's story, I only put in names that I thought were necessary in the telling of this story. And like everything I do on Coffee with Jeff, 15 minutes isn't enough to tell somebody's whole story. Uh, there's like six biographies, including one written by Nancy Wake herself out there. If, if you're interested in her at all, I would advise you to read one of those books and get the complete story. Well, I don't know if next week will be the 10 films that you probably haven't seen before episode or not. I'm still debating. Um, right now I'm going to go and rest for a bit because I have a charity poker game to play in tonight that I'm looking forward to. It's going to be a good crowd and hopefully we'll raise some good money. And, um, why don't we get on with the ending credits? Now look, I thought I told you all last week to visit our Patreon page, and I don't think many of you actually did, but if you did, thank you. You see, our Patreon page, that's where we get money to help keep this network going, and every month there's a shortfall between the money we get in and the money we put out. If you'd like to help us, you know, pay for some of the bandwidth and things we need to keep these shows afloat, then just go over to our Patreon page and, you know, put in a dollar a month or something. Think about it. A dollar a month, that's less than three cents a day. I mean, every dollar helps. So just go to psycon.fm, that's C-S-I-C-O-N.fm, and you can find out all the information of how to get to our Patreon page up at the top, and we would really appreciate it. And, of course, we really appreciate all those who already subscribe. Speaking of PsyCon, why not go over to the website and check out a few of our other shows? You'll find an amazing amount of geek culture. On the latest episode of Who's Who, Brecky and Petter talk about the classic Doctor Who episode, Full Circle. That's one of the Tom Baker ones. It's uh, one of the episodes where Atric gets involved. And that's, uh, well, he wasn't one of my favorite companions, but... Why not go over and listen to Who's Who and see what uh, the boys think of it, all right? This show and many others can be found at psycon.fm. You know, you can email me at coffeewithjeff at gmail.com for any reason. I don't know, like recommending a movie for me to watch or just about anything. You can even use that email address to say hi, though no one ever does. I always look forward to and answer every email. You can also follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Coffee with Jeff, all one word. And I have a Coffee with Jeff Facebook page. And I would love so much for you to join that page. If you want to support the show, but you don't have the coin to help financially, and that's something I understand, then just go over to iTunes and leave a review. I need more reviews. They really help the show. And remember, links to all the sources that I use to write today's story can be found at Psycon's Coffee with Jeff page. 
I'd like to thank Brecky Tomlinson for having this podcast on the Psycon Network, to my wife of 32 years for being my wife of 32 years, David Metzger for designing the Coffee with Jeff logo, Kelly Rickard for writing and performing the Coffee with Jeff theme song, and to all of you who listen to the show every week, thank you so much. And a special shout out to all those that repost this show. That's a big help. You folks have a special place in my heart. I'll be back next week. Bye. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee. Coffee with Jeff. I once knew a man who used to drink his coffee black. He once tried it with some cream. Didn't like it, now he never looks back Coffee with Jeff Coffee, coffee with Jeff Coffee with Jeff Coffee, coffee with Jeff Met a girl from Beantown Jeff was always hanging around She drank tea, but that was okay she was the dawn of Jeff's new day. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Years go by and life's filled with change. Sometimes your plans get rearranged. He's seen it all and he's weathered it too. So Jeff wants to have some coffee with you. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, on coffee with Jeff. Coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Coffee, coffee with Jeff. Coffee.